0: We look for ways to improve. We turn to self-help books encouraging us to find ourselves. But are we looking in the right place? Author Jerry Bridges reminds us we don't need to look any further than our Creator. Request your free audiobook download of Who Am I? Identity in Christ from Truth for Life, read by Alistair Begg. Truth for Life, weekdays at 9 a.m. on Faith Talk 1500. Hi, I'm Peter Nielsen, and I'm excited to say that my home for Peter's Principles Radio is right here on Faith Talk 1500. Join me every Saturday at 12 noon so we could truly get better together. Peter's Principles is really about one word. It's about God's hope. And to me, hope means having optimum positive emotions about something that seems nearly impossible. Join me every Saturday at 12 noon so we could finish the race strong together. I'm Chris Brown, host of Chris Brown's True Stewardship, brought to you by Ramsey Solutions. This is a brand-new radio show providing biblical answers for money and life. As a husband and father, I know the stress of managing family finances. And as a pastor, I've seen how handling money poorly can tear lives apart. What if your finances could be worry-free? God has a lot to say about money. Tune in. True Stewardship with Chris Brown at 1 p.m. right here on Faith Talk 1500. Churchstaffing.com has hundreds of free job listings for pastors, secretaries, maintenance, and IT. Get a job you truly care about. Go to churchstaffing.com. Churchstaffing.com. Listen now to the inspirational and motivational program, Arise and Shine, with your host, Keith Nelson. We greet you on this beautiful Lord's Day in a mighty, matchless, and magnificent name of our Lord and Savior Jesus, our Christ, and our King. And once again, we are so thankful that you've taken out of your busy Sunday afternoon and and spent some time with us as we study through the Word of God. We're continuing in our study in Matthew, uh, the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. And we ended up uh, on last Sunday... Uh, looking at the 22nd and 23rd verses, just those two verses, uh, as Jesus is foretelling the second time of his death and resurrection. And in this second foretelling, uh, it was very short, because remember, during the first foretelling, uh, Peter challenged him, and, and Jesus had to uh, bring a mild rebuke to Satan, temptation that was inside of Peter. But this time, as they were walking and they are in the province of Galilee, and they are moving back or walking back towards the city of Capernaum, and as they're going back to Capernaum, Jesus just simply makes the statement, and you see it in that 22nd. Uh, verse, while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. And, And what's interesting about this being the second rebuke, this is now not the first time the disciples have heard Jesus directly forecast and to predict that he was going to die and this time there was no great uh, outcry no great response coming back from the disciples but the scripture simply said they were exceedingly sorry Uh, their response and their focus would make one believe that they didn't hear all of what Jesus had to say Jesus simply said that the son of man was going to die he he uh the son of man shall be betrayed into the hands of men and and we talked a lot about that on last sunday and that uh, they would you know and he would die they would kill him uh, the issue here is he continued to say but on the third day he shall be raised again so uh he's presenting a picture that is both sorrowful but is also joyful and but it seems to be that the disciples only heard the sorrowful portion that the son of man would be betrayed he, he Jesus did not explain uh, he did not come to any deep uh revelation as to how he was going to be betrayed or who was going to betray him, but simply the fact that he would be betrayed. And in the course of that betrayal, he would be turned over into the hands of men. Uh, Of course, when we looked at the passage earlier in Matthew 16, uh, the statement was wicked men. But the focus from the disciples was sorryful. They were they were sorry to hear that Jesus was still insisting, was still teaching, was still instruction upon the fact that he was going to die, and I think that was mostly because of the the power of separation. When we get accustomed to somebody, when we get to the point where we are, uh, are used to. A certain individual being around, especially if it's a person of authority or mentorship, uh, when it comes to the point where that mentor is going away, it's always a point of uh, condition of sorrowful, condition of heavy heart. Uh, We've gotten accustomed to walking, to receiving knowledge and direction, Uh, You could always immediately check yourself to that person. And Jesus is saying, uh, my time, our time of togetherness is going to come to an end. And they were more focused on the separation than they were on the fact that Jesus said in three days he would rise again. And so the challenge here is, do you hear all of what God has to say to you? Have you comprehended the total picture, or are you in the point where you're only stuck in a certain area because of your desires and your will? Uh, Disciples wanted to continue for Jesus to be around, probably because of their growth. It was easy. Uh, You didn't have to struggle with any major questions. If you had something, you can just take it right to Jesus. He's right there. Uh, you didn't have to work hard on your uh, fellowship that fellowship because Jesus is right there all of this now become easy and the easiness of their life uh if you want to look at it that way uh the life of the disciples of course was not that easy but simply dependent upon Christ he's still in the waters he's coming to seas He's feeding 5,000 when they don't have any food available. He's doing all the things that they needed, and all of a sudden this is being told to them is going to go away. So their focus was not on the future future when Jesus Christ said he was coming back, but just on the immediate future on the time fact that he was leaving and going away and so we we end this particular portion with just a thought and, and that thought is uh what is your focus with God how is and, and what is God's uh to you uh, is he just a god in heaven or is he your friend is is he your confidant uh if he the one who instructs and guides and keeps you and uh, do you go to him for everything? You go to him for some things? All of this now would make a difference of how much you will miss your relationship with the Father and with Jesus Christ and with the Holy Spirit if something was to happen and to separate that relationship, and it will become non void. And so here we move on and we begin to see now a very special miracle, a unique miracle. It's a miracle that is not taught much, uh, not talked about much. It's only found in two of the Gospels and, of course, here in Matthew, the 24th verse in that 17th chapter going down to the end, 24 through twenty-seven. And it's also found in the Gospel according to Mark. And, and the Gospel according to Mark presents it in a slightly different way than the way Matthew writes it. But here we're talking about the money from the fish's mouth. It's the tribute money that Jesus directs Peter to get out of the mouth of the fish. And all of this starts, look at the 24th verse, with Jesus and the disciples getting back to Capernaum. Beginning to read again from the sculpture reference edition, starting at the 24th verse of that 17th chapter of the Gospel of Matthews, listen to these words and says, And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doeth not the, your master pay tribute? And he said, Yes. And when he was come into the house, Jesus spoke first to him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom does the king of the earth take customs or tribute? Or their own sons? Or of strangers? And Peter said unto him, Of strangers? And Jesus said unto him, Then are the sons free? Notwithstanding, Least we should offend them, go thou to the sea, and cast a hook, and take up the fish that the first come up. And when thou hast opened its mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. Take that, and give unto them for me and thee. Again, a very strange passage of scripture. Uh, and it is referring to the tribute money. This tribute money is to support, to help, to pay for the upkeep of the temple. We we see that uh, back in the time and place uh, in not only Exodus, the 30th chapter, but especially in Nehemiah. And let me recall to your remembrance the scripture in Nehemiah, the 10th chapter, and the 32nd verse where Nehemiah got a pledge from the people from from the rulers of the city from the uh, individuals that lived and worked around the city and from the kings and princes and those individuals. Uh, and he got a commitment from them to be able to swear before God that there are certain things that they were going to not forget to do. And one of those items was to be able to pay a tax to, for the upkeep of the temple. temple had been rebuilt. Uh, and then over the years since the building of the temple to the time that Nehemiah have came, it had fallen back into disrepair. And because of this, uh, when Nehemiah inquired about the reasons why, he found out because they were neglecting the payment that was spoken of by God to Moses and from to Moses to the people back in Exodus, the 30th chapter, for the upkeep of the house of God. And so Nehemiah added that into the new commitment, into the new covenant that the people were making between them and God, that they would pay for the support and upkeep of the temple and for the priests that worked in the temple. And that tax or that payment was a half a shekel or two drachma, uh, of course, Drachmar they didn't have back during uh, the time of Nehemiah, uh, but they did have shekels, and drachmars was coming in under the Persian Empire at the time that Nehemiah was there. Uh, but then to go on beyond that, it was two drachmas that was owed for the temple tax or a half a shekel. That amount today would vary depending upon Uh, what time you asked that particular question. But here the commitment was made by the people and they signed, uh, everyone appeared to have signed this second covenant except for Ezra, if you go down and look at the detailed uh, signatures that are listed in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, But it's here and they said this would be there. To be able to give the support, and that support was to come from every Jewish male 20 years of age and older, must pay a temple tax to support the temple. And this temple tax was paid once a year. And so with that, as Jesus and his disciples was coming back into Capernaum, uh, the individuals from the temple approached Peter And asked him, why hasn't his master paid his temple tax for that particular year? Uh, And Peter was without also. And so it was Peter and it was Jesus that was due to pay their temple tax. And so as Peter was coming into the house to ask Jesus the question, uh, what should we do? How should we pay it? Where the money is going to come from? Do we have enough in the bag? Jesus first responded with this question to Peter. And his question to Peter was When a king is over a kingdom, is it custom for him to take taxes from both the people, strangers, these are the people, and his sons or just strangers? And Peter responds and said, Of strangers, no, we only take tax from them. you don't tax your own children. Uh, you don't tax uh, your sons and your daughters and things like that. If you were over a kingdom, they would be free. And the point that Jesus is making here is the fact that since Jesus is the king of the kingdom of heaven, he is in charge, which means that none of his people should be in a position to where they have to pay taxes. Uh, at least not to this particular kingdom, because that was a different kingdom. That was Caesar's kingdom. Now, if you combine that thought with Mark, the 12th chapter, the 13th through the 17th verse, Jesus also throws in into the passage of Mark that we shall render unto Caesar that which is Caesar. And, of course, this is where the Pharisees came unto Jesus and asked him, is it lawful that a person should pay tax to Rome? Uh, and Jesus intelligently uh, uh, seemed out and sensed out the fact that they were trying to trick him and get him into a trap and get uh, s- some art with him against the government. So Jesus simply asked the question, give me the coin, and he looked at it and said, whose image is on the coin? And, of course, it was the image of Caesar. And his response was, well, give back to Caesar that which is Caesar and then give to God those things which belongs to God, which is you. We were created and we were made by God. We are his from a creation standpoint. And many of us are his from a confession of faith. And because of this, we should render ourselves and everything that we own unto God and give to the world. I E taxes money that we make taxes come out that we should render back to the institution or to the government from which that money and that those taxes are now belong and due and so here we are in a position of Jesus basically saying uh and and keeping in light of the teachings of Mark he's asking Peter should we pay taxes and Peter saying, no, you shouldn't, uh, because you're part of the kingdom, and this is your kingdom, and sons in the kingdom don't have to pay uh, in relationship to when their father is the king. Uh, but nevertheless, Jesus does a strange thing. He doesn't go any further into this argument. He doesn't do anything. He turned around and basically said, uh, notwithstanding least we should offend them, those who's requesting the money, those who are the running of the temple. And and I like that response because sometimes we argue over things and we don't pick our battles the way that we should. We will fight every little thing that come along. We will argue over every little thing that comes along. We will struggle with every little thing that comes along. And sometimes we have to learn as the people of God That there's some things that are worth fighting, and there's one, some things that is not worth battling over. And you can say, okay, just let that go and leave it alone. And that's not worth fighting, at least not right now when we have so many other battles going on. That one we can allow to slide. And that's something that many of us have not come to recognize and to understand, that we need to pick our battles and so Jesus saying, yes, I could argue uh, effectively that I shouldn't have to pay taxes to the temple because the temple belongs to my father. And if the temple belongs to my father, why should I have to pay? But the bottom line is Jesus said, notwithstanding, go to the sea and cast in a hook, not a whole net, just throw a hook in and take up the fish that first cometh up. The first fish that bite, just pull them on in. And when you have opened the fish mouth, you will find a piece of money. Take it and go unto them and pay for me and for you the temple tax. And this is interesting because he didn't cash a whole net. He didn't have to go through a whole great number of fish. Just throw a simple hook in. I would love it when when I would go have an opportunity to, to go fishing uh, just to cast in a, a hook, and as soon as the the hook hits the water, they have a fish bite in, and you can just reel them right on in. Uh, that would be great. But sometimes you end up spending all day uh, out there casting and pulling and changing bait and tackle and all that other stuff, and you end up with nothing. And Jesus told Peter, go down to the Sea of Galilee and just throw the hook in. As soon as the hook hit the water... The fish is going to bite, pull in the first fish. And this is not just any fish. This is the fish (laughs) with the money in its mouth. Uh, And and so open the fish mouth, pull the money out, and hey, go pay. And when that was done, uh, Jesus' direction to Peter, there is no special Uh, follow-up as to how Peter did it and when he went down, but the fact that when he cast the line and he took out of the fish's mouth a piece of money, that piece of money and that stating of the piece of money is uh, a double drachma, which means it's four drachmas in one coin, and so it's a two drachma coin, it's a single drachma coin, and then it's a four drachma coin, and this is the one that the fish had. And all he had to do is take it out and says two drachmar is the tax he could pay for two people, and Peter paid for Jesus, and Peter paid for himself, and everything was done. Don't you just love Jesus knew what fish had the money, he knew what fish was going to bite, Uh, He knew what see the sin Peter to. All of this was now of knowledge and wisdom and understanding to Christ to be able to do those things and render unto Caesar that which is Caesar and then to remember to give back to God those things which are God's. This special catch of a four drachma coin paid for everything and that's what jesus did he paid for everything when he went to the cross he knew that no matter what the circumstances would be that ultimately the debt would be fully paid and all we would have to do is just be obedient to what jesus christ has to say to us and to do the things that he has inquired and demanded of us to do. And when you follow the directions of God, ultimately everything will be taken care of because God knows what you need and he knows where to go to fulfill your needs and get them to you and how to get them to you effectively. If you're a fisherman, he may send you to the sea. If you're a carpenter, he may ask you to build something. If you like Elijah, he may send you out to live with a widow woman. Uh, If you like Elisha, he may send you into a different direction and have you become over the school of the prophets into where the prophets will abide by your upkeep. Whatever it is, Jesus knows how to be able to minister to your needs, and there is not a problem that he doesn't understand. He responded to the question of Peter before Peter even asked the question. And in this way, he knows what you stand in need of even before you know what you stand in need of. I like the way when he told it basically and simply in relationship to everyone that he dealt with from Abraham all the way through the times, he he addressed their needs, he responded to their needs, and then he basically continued to teach and to guide and to direct to where everything has been taken care of. And that's the God that we serve. We serve an awesome Savior who's willing to be able to help us in our time of need, but also to do it in such a way that it fits smoothly into our life to where for us individually and we as his people collectively will always have our needs met regardless of what they are. And even if you might want to perceive this, some of our wants as well, not all of your wants, but some of our wants as well, This is how awesome Jesus is, and I love this little passage of Scripture in relationship to money out of the fish's mouth because it shows the omnipotence of Jesus in his power. It shows the omniscience of Jesus in his knowledge and wisdom and understanding of not only conversations that he's not a part of, but also things, situations, and circumstances that are happening that he can guide us to and through each and every day in our lives. That's reason why it is a benefit and a pleasure to not only to know God, but to also be a part of his awesome family. Ladies and gentlemen, our time is out today. And as always, may God bless you. May God keep you. May God shine his face upon you and lift his countenance upon you. May the Lord give you peace. God bless you today. Thanks for listening to Arise and Shine with your host, Keith Nelson. Arise and Shine is sponsored by Beulah International Ministries. The ministry's goal is for the Lord to be your primary source of joy for your spiritual, physical, and emotional health and for you to enjoy an intimate relationship with God. Please support this ministry with a love offering to Beulah International Ministries, P.O. Box 316, Farmington Hills, Michigan, 48332. You may also call 248-470-7252 or visit their website at beulahinternational.org. Looking for more than just a job? Look in the right place. For a career that inspires you, visit christianjobs.com. That's christianjobs.com. Would you like an extra $50 this week? Here are the instructions. Take your finger, put it on your smartphone, get the WLQV app from your app store, open the app, and play the scratch-off to win game. It's that easy, and each week we're giving away one $50 cash card. You can play once each day to increase your chances of winning. We know that you'll love our mobile app, so we're ready to give you the sun and the moon to install it. Well, at least a chance to win $50 every week. That's the WLQV mobile app. And don't use a coin to play the scratch-off game. This is your phone. Pastor Mark Byers of Kingdom Living. The idea that you're going to go through life with no problems and and everything's going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise and there's not going to be any issues and, and you're going to have plenty of money and you're going to have all the health and your children are all going to be wonderful. Let me tell you something. God is not going to allow that to happen. He will literally interrupt your comforts to make you something eternal. Kingdom Living weekday mornings at 1030 on AM 1500 WLQV. The home.